From the heights of New York City, welcome to Inwood Artworks on Air, where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home in what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims. I'm Jonathan Bell. And this is Live and Local. It's our podcast dedicated to showcasing the musicians of Upper Manhattan. We talk with them about what they do, and best of all, listen to them perform live in one of our favorite local venues. Today, the lounge at Hudson View Gardens. We are excited today to welcome composer, conductor, and pianist, Chris Whitaker. Chris's musical language of classical, jazz, pop, and gospel music melds genres and brings people together. He started playing piano by ear and writing songs when he was only six years old, which began a journey that eventually led him to study composition at the Peabody Institute at the John Hopkins University. Then, on to getting his master's in conducting at the University of Michigan. In 2015, he co-founded the Washington Heights Chamber Orchestra, a nonprofit performing arts organization committed to engaging the community through free concerts and educational programming. In addition, he also serves as music director for Fort Washington Collegiate Church in Upper Manhattan and leads Marble Collegiate Church's Jazz Vesper Service. We are thrilled to have him here today as a guest on Live and Local. Without further ado, Chris Whitaker.
Well, that was fantastic. Thank you so much, Chris. Uh, it's so great to see you in person, finally. Hey, you too. Thanks so much, Aaron and Jonathan, for having me today. It's sure. great to be here. And we're seeing you maskless. Yeah, it feels it feels good. I'm delighted to be on maybe one of the first Inwood Artworks podcasts, uh, Sans Mask. So that's exciting. We're making progress. It's the first. It's it's one. Of, it's definitely yeah. the first live and local we've done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm just so glad to see you and glad. Thanks for thanks for being on the show today. And um, before we get started into more wonderful things about you, uh, can you talk to us a little bit about the two uh, wonderful pieces you just played? Sure. Uh, I played the slow, the slow piece that you heard uh, was called Vocalese, and it's um, a, uh, a kind of slow jazz composition that I wrote a couple of years ago, um, just with the intent of writing a simple, uh, simple, beautiful melody that would emulate a vocal line, hence the title Vocalese. And the other uh, improvisation was um, a little bit of a riff on the old spiritual weight in the water um, which uh, I enjoy uh, a bit. So uh, thank you so much for, for listening. Um, yeah, Chris, beautiful music. Um, the uh, vocalese, uh, when I hear the word, uh, well, Rachmaninoff's not the only composer, mm -hmm. but some, that he, he comes to mind when I hear the word vocalese. And actually, I thought that your long sense of line, mm. the way your melody sort of layers and... Um, builds upon itself long lines is sort of a hallmark of Rachmaninoff mm. and um I was I kind of wanted to jump right in maybe into um your composer heroes growing mm. up and what led you to your uh harmonic vocabulary a very yeah. rich uh palette that you have yeah. um so um it's such an interesting time to be a composer because as a as a composer of what we sometimes call concert music or or classical music the aesthetic palette that we have available to us at this moment in time is just so vast you have people uh writing uh very melodic tonal uh very digestible music, you have people doing super avant-garde stuff, you have people doing sort of a quasi-indie folk sound, you have people taking influences from jazz and hip-hop, mm. and, um, you know, sometimes those of us who are, who are classically trained can see the, the progression of, of uh, concert music in a sort of very linear way, that it goes from romantic to sort of atonal, and then we get into minimalism, but where we are right now, um, I feel like composers feel more free than ever to really draw from mm. every sound available. And the amazing thing is, if you if you have a computer, you can create somehow the 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 sound that's in your imagination. You can craft it almost like CGI for audio. You can find a way, mm. you know, to 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 make that sound. And so, uh, with that with that freedom comes uh, a lot of. Uh, uh, so many choices that it can be somewhat overwhelming. Um, to answer your question, I, I uh, like like Aaron said, I grew up just playing little songs at the piano, and um, I was just always writing little melodies and com composing little more. As you do when you're six, songs. you just kind of <laughs> give me the juice box, mom. My, I got something on my mind. My parents, my parents are not musical, and uh, they got me. Uh, uh, I started, this is interesting, so we'll, uh, allow me to diverge, but uh, 
my mom got me this little tiny, it was like a, a little book of Christmas songs about this big. And there was a little piano on the bottom of it that had a, like a hearing aid battery inside, like a little LCD huh? battery. And it played one note at a time. And you learn the Christmas songs by number. So, you know, three, 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 <laughs> three, five, one, two, three kind wow. of thing. And I learned all these songs in this Christmas book. We're in the, to we're in the toy store one day and there's a toy piano. And I sit down and I start playing Little Drummer Boy. And my mom's like, where'd you learn how to do that? And I was like, well, I, you know, I just figured this out and use this Christmas book. So this prompted uh, an investment in increasingly larger, more involved keyboards from like a little tiny Casio yeah. to eventually the, uh, we acquired a, uh, a $100 upright piano from some friends uh, that has never been tuned to this day. Uh, but that was my first instrument uh, to tinker on when I was in mm. you know, third, fourth grade, eventually started taking lessons and that sort of thing. But composition has always been a part of my, uh, my musical life. And um, the music that I most, I love all kinds of music, um, but what I most enjoy in the concert music realm, uh, it sounds, makes me sound a little traditional, but uh, someone like, Brahms, hmm. who my admiration for Brahms isn't necessarily about how the music sounds and feels, though that's really important. It's the inner workings of how the music is put together. It's what he's kind of done with the, 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 the core elements he's created, how he's woven all those things together. So what I, um, what I, what guides me in my composing is uh, it's it's uh, sort of this tension between the macro and the micro. Like, what do you want it to sound like and how do you build the elements to get it there? And so uh, it's about uh, like what Brahms does so well is he takes this, this, this element, this core of something, and he weaves that throughout to create mm. the macro. And so you, you, come to a, you come to that sonic world with so many more surprises uh, because it's not sort of predestined what's going to happen. There's a there's a there's a there's a sort of a a, a teacher of mine uses the phrase spiraling tapestry mm -hmm. uh, that sort of spins itself out. And, um, so yeah. it's um, there literally is a thread all the way through. There's a thread, yeah. yeah. And that thread, it's like a DNA or or a molecule that sort of infects the 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 piece. So it's in the baseline. It's in the it's in the counter line. It's in the it's in the form somehow. It's it's a climax. Something is revealed that was seeded in the beginning mm -hmm. of the piece, and so it's that kind of approach to composition that I'm really interested in. And it doesn't really matter that the pieces are that the that the elements of the composition are tonal or not right. or abstract. It's more about how you put them together right. that I'm most interested in. Well, you said the first piece was, if I'm not mistaken. Um, a jazz piece, which I can kind of see that, but I was sort of surprised that you considered it, that you confined it to that mm. description. Mm -hmm. Because yes, I can hear some of that, but I think, you know, when you say you just love so much music and your initial um, discussion of the almost overwhelming options that we have currently as composers, I, I can see that in that piece where I, it's kind of, um, to your credit, I'm not sure hmm. exactly which category to yeah. put it because I was, I was hearing like, even like, um, you know, Soundheim 
Hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's sure. the furthest thing from your mind, but I heard this sort of like mm-hmm. Barber and Copeland and Soundheim and sort of a, uh, so, um, and I'm yeah. always curious how my reaction sometimes when I, when I tell people composers, what I heard they're yeah. um, surprised Absolutely. by that. But, but anyway, I can hear a lot of different worlds yeah. in that, in that first vocal. I, I think the most, uh, I'm a big fan of Keith Jarrett, and I think oh that the, the 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 I heard the that album, in your second, yeah, for sure. The, your, your improv. Well, that's yeah. kind of you. Uh, yeah. The uh, <laughs> he has an album, "The Melody at Night with You," and it's very simple. Um, uh, it's not a it's not a a burning jazz trio album. It's all very uh, uh, slow piano mm-hmm. uh, music, and so I was sort of thinking of the pieces in that kind of world, mm-hmm. so which is why I would call it jazz. But okay. but absolutely, it's okay. it's. Um, it it doesn't um, uh, the 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 do we, it's interesting what is what is jazz or what right. makes something jazzy and having that connection to the 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 lineage, I think it's it's connected to a lot of lineages and so what ends up coming out is it jazz is it classical it's right. sort of has influences i think it's ju- all over the fact that it's non-genre defining is very indicative of what we just talked about with you it's like you have a lot of influences you're listening to hip-hop you're listening to sondheim what you listen to whatever whatever may be coming at you uh brahms uh and i think it all factors in you could say it's contemporary i guess but i think that's what makes your world unique to you you get your your sound which is great i think oh, and, and again and yes you can play you know boogie woogie and everything else that comes out of it. But, uh, no, just, uh, very, um, the Chris Whitaker sound, the divine, the defining Chris Whitaker sound. Yeah. Um, Still trying to figure out what that is, but yeah. Can I, can I just bring, go back to something briefly? You you used the word digestible at one point. I wanted, um, there's, um, you can edit that word out. I'm pretty, yeah. Well, (laughs) I'm probably projecting as I usually do here, um, but digestible, I think, can have several connotations. One could be, well, digestible in the sense that it's like pablum and digestible mm. in the positive sense sure. that it's um, free of unnecessary obscurantism or, or I don't pretense know, or a, something. Or pretense yeah. Or, you know, so, so, yeah. And I find that your music is digestible in the good sense if, mm. if you know what i'm well thank you yeah so if you could maybe yeah, elaborate because i feel absolutely. like that may speak to your values uh, yeah thank you i i think it's um you know as coming through a, a a traditional conservatory training um we are we are for for good reasons often emulating styles and composers that came before us and practicing writing in certain ways and stretching our ears and stretching our boundaries but after all that said and done and you've sort of assimilated um the history and the craft into your work um i want to be free of the i want to be free of the uh, any kind of felt pressure or pretense about what the music should be um one of my one of my teachers one time I was showing him something and I said, uh, what I, I, I was sort of stuck at a moment and I played the beginning of it for him. And I said, well, I think this is what should come next. And he said, he said, stop. He said, don't, don't think about what should come next. What do you want to come next? And it's, uh, uh, it's a very different way of thinking about it. Um, that, um, 
uh, when I say digestible in a way, I think, I, I hope that uh, more and more composers are feeling free from uh, sort of, like you said, that pretense of having to sort of prove something to themselves or prove something to the, uh, to the genre mm -hmm. and really just able to write what they hear and write what they want, you know, mm -hmm. which may mean that it looks like something very, quote, simple or very, right. very um, digestible, yeah, to I use think, that yeah. word. I think there can be sometimes unconsciously operating with some composers um, an, an, uh, a, a, a desire to prove one's bona fides in terms of technique mm -hmm. and, you know, schools of composition. And I felt that too mm -hmm. sometimes. And um, anyway, I think being free of that is a you know, great idea. I don't think it's and I don't think it's a new it's no. a new problem and it, it, I shouldn't call it a problem, but you know when you're playing a, a classical sonata uh, from you know Beethoven on, it's often the first move the first movement is really intense. And when, sometimes when I'm writing a piece, it's the first movement where it's like, hmm, now I'm writing a sonata, I'm writing a the symphony, I'm writing a da da da. And then when you get to the last movement, it's just all like, hey, we're having a great time. We're this dance, you know, whatever. And so it's by it's by that time. Sometimes I find that the composer, uh, uh, even in the pieces I play or conduct, you know, the composer is almost the most free because they've sort of they've sort of uh, they've right. they've gotten their they've they've proved their argument. They've gotten their heady dialogue out of the way, and it's beautiful and it's awesome and it's right. well crafted and it's amazing and it's emotionally impactful. But I find that sometimes you can see that progression sort of in the composer as a in in the in the piece, in the microcosm itself. It's like, I've made my argument, right. and now at the end, there's some fast rondo or this fat, you know, scherzo or whatever, and it's like, oh, now I just, just, just run with it. I've so, never heard Not every piece, but I, I, sort of, I sort of see that sometimes in, in, in music that I study. Well, I think it's, um, it's funny because you have studied a lot and you've composed for all different styles. You're saying like whether it's a symphony or a chamber orchestra or a solo piece. Um, I'm curious, uh, and you've kind of touched about like where you've been. I'm curious where you are now and where you're going, um, to be perfectly honest with you, because I think life also plays into a lot of different things too. And I'm just curious, what are you interested in right now and, and where you're at now? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And one that I, uh, I suppose um, anyone who has a solid five-year plan right now uh, is probably. <laughs> I meant right now. I mean right this moment. Yeah. You don't have to worry about tomorrow, <laughs> or five my, years from now. My little my my little brother would always uh, to the the people in my family when they would bring a significant other to uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas would always sort of make a point to very awkwardly say to to the family member, you know. So what's what's your intentions with this person? What's your five year plan in front of them, person, right? In front of the family. <laughs> Um, well, we can delete this whole section. And can, <laughs> this could be on the box set for your for in five box years. Set. You can bring it out. Well, so you know, what I'm interested in, you know, it's a, it's a um, for the last couple of years, as you know, I've been building the Washington Heights Chamber Orchestra, and I've been working as music director at Fort Washington Collegiate. And we've built a really fantastic community choir, and a lot of the work that I've been doing has uh, just been about making music, bringing people together. Um, creating opportunities for local artists, creating opportunities for myself, of course. And, um, you know, right now, of course, COVID is kind of an inflection point. I'm personally, um, I'm more, I'm 
maybe this is a result of the pandemic, I feel a little more introverted. Uh, I, I feel like kind of coming back to myself a little bit more and spending more time composing because it's not, it's not something I, I uh, am able to do with the regularity that I want. Um, so that may, that may change, but at this moment, it's really, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of events. There's a lot of, you know, there's, there's, there can be that pressure of, well, what am I going to produce this, this mm. next season or what, what concert, uh, program am I going to do? Mm. And Jonathan, don't ask him about next season. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me about next season. Um, well, and, and, and I think that, um, you know, one of the one of the really nice things about um, what I've learned in the last couple of years with with the chamber orchestra, we've been able to produce some amazing stuff and and really do some some big events and bring a lot of people together. And at a certain point, it's like, okay, I'm okay, we're okay. What do I really want to contribute? And so is there something else that, that, that I can contribute that uh, might be more meaningful, more lasting to myself, mm. um, possibly the community? So it's, it's, I'm, I'm kind of using this time to sort of step back and, um, and, and step out of the, I think the, the, you see uh, in, in, in social media, everything's returning, everything's coming back, oh, we got it. Right. I was like, oh, right. I'm not ready. <laughs> I know, right, right. I just want to compose a little more. Yeah. Uh, spend some time in a cabin. Yeah, well, I think it's important to acknowledge where you've been. And it's not like you pressed pause in your life uh, a year and a half ago when COVID hit. And then all of a sudden you just went to a cave and came out and said, great, we're ready to resume everything we did before. And I think yeah. it's great that you've learned. Uh, we all have learned well, so much. Aaron, we've, we've, this past year has been, will be kind of a time capsule of interviews yeah. at, uh, with that exact question and topic being discussed by everyone so it's mm -hmm. it's been very interesting hearing a lot of different perspectives this past year that has been exactly about taking stock and inventory and what is important to you mm -hmm. you know it's been very challenging but it's also been sort of this going back to basics yeah. uh, moment for a lot of people so yeah. i think many people don't want to go back because they they <laughs> they like they understood the change is necessary and they 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 for lot, I guess for, for better and for worse, um, people have learned and they don't want to do what they did back then or they don't want to do it the same way. They want to build off of what that is. Absolutely. Uh, sure. I think that's important to acknowledge. Aaron, I w uh, if time permits, I'd like uh, to get a little commentary uh, from Chris about his um, conducting background um, and how that has shaped your composition, mm -hmm. compositional approach. Sure. Um, I've, I've been, along with piano, I, I was interested in conducting from a pretty early age. I don't know, I, I must have saw Bernstein on TV or something, and I just thought, I want to do that. Um, I actually had the chance, when I was in fourth grade, I wrote, uh, over the summer, I wrote a piece for the school band. I didn't know anything about instrumentation or <laughs> anything the, the, the snare drum part was just like one long snare drum roll the entire time <laughs> and i called it chris's sonata and you know i wrote it very fancy and fancy penmanship excellent penmanship. that's why you wrote the things so you actually title it right like yeah that. yeah well no i've always liked you know the writing on the paper like that's just uh you know i get off on that but anyway i did in fourth grade so i i wrote this song for the school band and i brought it to my teacher uh the next you know i was a rising fourth grader or fifth yeah. grader i was rising fifth grader probably and said, uh, hey, I wrote a song for the band. Like, we're, we're, we have to play it. 
So she, to her credit, she helped me learn about transpositions and instrumentation, but she eventually, she let me conduct the piece wow. and in, 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 in the concert. And I still remember a little bit how it goes. It's very simple. It's very fun. And, Sounds like um, a fight song. Yeah. It does. <laughs> so, um, uh, and so is my conducting dream as a, as, a, as a fifth grader. I guess I was fifth grader. And I didn't have a baton. I didn't really know what that was, but I had a broken off RC radio antenna <laughs> sure. that I just thought was the coolest thing. You know, you pull it out and, mm -hmm. you know, wave it around. And I, was, I said to my, my band teacher, you know, I, I would like to use this. RC radio antenna for my, my conducting debut. And she says, no, that looks trashy, you know, just use your hands. And up until the very last minute, right before I walked up there, I'm pointing at it. I'm like, could I, could I, would you let me? She's like, no, you will not. So I, I, I got, I got the bug then I guess as a, as a composer conductor and um, really didn't know, really didn't have a sense of how all these things might come together until, uh, until later, until high school and college. But um, my pursuit of conducting, while I, uh, I, I sometimes think of myself, I took one of the personality tests one time, uh, where I'm sort of right in the middle between an introverted and extroverted. Myers-Briggs test? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm like yeah. IE, I'm like right on the line. And so it's the conductor-composer part. So I like being with people and I like collaborating and bringing something together, but I also like just being in my house and doing my thing. Um, and so that sort of satisfies, that conducting part mm -hmm. satisfies that element. Um, but at the time when I wanted to pursue conducting, there was also an element of um, what's the best way for me to become a better composer? And I decided at the time that it was really to become intimately acquainted with the orchestral repertoire. And as a non-orchestral player, as a pianist who really hadn't sat in that many orchestras, um, it seemed to me the best thing to do was to, mm -hmm. was to pursue conducting, where you're really wrestling with the, 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 the score and why did the composer write it this way, mm -hmm. how they orchestrated it, how the... Um, how to balance this complex passage. Um, and so it, um, it's been a great journey. If, 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 my, if my conducting just kind of fizzles out and I never conduct anything again, uh, I've learned so much as a composer just by learning how the organism of the orchestra moves and breathes and how the mm -hmm. instrumentalists relate to each other um, as people on stage. Well, I want to bridge off that real quickly and say, um, because you touched about, we'll kind of tie it all together here with um, your conducting uh, at your, while keeping the Washington Chamber Orchestra alive. And well, you know, you are the MD of the Fort Washington Collegiate Church. So um, I think you've been prolific during the pandemic and before, uh, just so I can say it out loud, everybody knows that, uh, <laughs> and, and, and keeping the visibility and keeping, um, I think that what comes through very much with you is your love for teaching music mm. and your love for engaging people with music, exposing them to music. And uh, as, as a participant, uh, mm -hmm. I'm bringing them in to the choir, something that yeah. make yeah, very yeah, much yeah. so that I get from you a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just one, I think it's important to touch on, um, you know, what it's like 
being an MD for both of these uh, and conductor and also uh, I know you do compose for the, the chamber orchestra, obviously, but I'm curious to see um, a really interesting question, I think, is about um, where you've been and where you are now emerging as kind of this, um, how you engaged your spiritual community mm, uh, mm-hmm. with your musical ministry. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Fort Washington has been uh, instrumental and really the core of a lot of what um, I've, I've been able to do in, in the community here. And, um, and really a little bit of background when I, uh, I took over the music director job, I was first, I, I started as assistant and then interim and then eventually, uh, the, the permanent position. Um, at some point I really decided that I wanted to, um, to, uh, I had the opportunity to sort of build the job the way I wanted. There wasn't the community choir yet. The orchestra hadn't, hadn't started. Um, and so I really had the freedom, um, which has been ama- amazing at the church, to really build a program. And so um, the pandemic, I think, has been, uh, it's going to be really interesting coming out of it to see if there is a real revival in terms of people's desire for real connection and real community engagement and civic engagement. Um, I think it's something that we all took for granted to, to a degree um, that, that when we're all locked up and we can't, we can't see each other, um, what that really that what 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 we're missing from from our lives and so during the pandemic i was very fortunate uh, that my wife and i have some good video editing equipment at home and i've been able to put together all the virtual choir stuff and um and 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 and, and bring people together virtually in that way um, but of course it's 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 while it scratches a little bit of an itch it doesn't uh it doesn't it's not a substitute and so um, I hope that 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 if there's a becomes a point where COVID really is behind us, that um, there will be a, a revival and a reimagining of how people uh, how people engage with their community. Well, speaking of virtual work, um, I believe you've brought in a selection from one of your larger mm. compositions. Uh, can you tell us a bit about it? Yeah, so this is a performance from February of 2020. Uh, it is the premiere of my violin concerto, which is played uh, marvelously by Amos Fayette, who uh, incidentally was a, an old friend, a Peabody pal, who premiered a violin sonata that I wrote many years ago. And he had been bugging me to write a concerto for some time. And so I took him up on it, and we had the chance to perform it on the orchestra series uh, at, uh, at our concert weekend in February of 2020. Um, and so you'll see on the on the video, the performance actually takes place over at the George Washington Educational Center, which is uh, the old George Washington High School building at uh, 187th in Amsterdam. It's a beautiful, large space. I mean, it sits uh, probably a thousand people. Uh, we didn't get that many people that night, but uh, uh, part of our our our, uh, our outreach in that year was to expand into new spaces. So that's where it takes place at the. Uh, at the high school. So you'll, you're going to hear the second movement of the, of the three movement, the three movement piece from my violin concerto. Excellent. All right. Let's listen to it once again.
Chris Whitaker.
That was really cool. Well, thank you. Where can our listeners go to follow you and find more of your work, such as Absolutely. your sonatas and concertos and everything else you do? Absolutely. Well, uh, I own the domain chriswhitaker.com, uh, so you can, you can find my, my music there. Uh, you can also find more information about uh, the Fort Washington Collegiate Church Music Ministry at fortwashingtonchurch.org. And, of course, you can learn more about the Washington Heights Chamber Orchestra at washingtonheightsorchestra.org or whco.nyc. And there you have it, folks. We'll have uh, some of those links up on our description of this episode to get people going to the right place to find more of your work. Great. Thank you. Chris, as I said before, um, thanks so much for everything you're doing. And do you want to plug anything that... We don't want we don't want to talk about the season if you don't want to talk about the season what's coming up. But if you have anything coming up you you, no want, to, you want you want to share with Absolutely. people. Absolutely. I'm super excited to tell you about the pop-up performances we're going to be doing in the park okay. uh, coming up in June and July and August mm. with our uh, presenting partner, the Bizarro Agency. You can learn more about that at the orchestra's website. Also, the orchestra just completed a call for scores for composers who have connections to Uptown to submit string orchestra works. And so from that call for scores, we are recording four uh, new pieces uh, mm. coming up in June. And those pieces will be streamed uh, and released later in July. So two really exciting projects. Uh, you can learn both uh, more about both of those at WashingtonHeightsOrchestra.org. And if you're interested in supporting us and supporting our mission, uh, you can find out how to do so on our website. Would that be in uh, the Fort Tryon Park? Well, we'll or? be in Fort Tryon Park. We'll be in J. Wright Hood uh, or J. Hood Wright. We'll be in Inwood Hill. We sort of bounce around. So, Very cool. Um, Very cool. So if we, if we watch the website uh, to find the exact times and locations. Where we'll pop up. We'll do. Well, listeners, you have your you have your directions. Go get it. Uh, well, thanks again, Chris, for joining us today on this episode of Live and Local. Thank you. Um, it's uh, it's here on Inwood Artworks on Air, where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home here in Upper Manhattan. Uh, if you have a moment, please show us some love right now by rating and reviewing our podcast on Apple Podcasts. That really does help. And thank you to Hudson View Gardens for hosting us and to HyattSites.com for tremendous uptown local support. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up with all that we do, which includes the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks South Fresco, pop-up galleries, live performances, and so much more. You can support On Air and all of our programming by making a tax-free donation at InwoodArtworks.nyc backslash donate. This program is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council, and in part by a grant from the NYC and Company Foundation with partial support from Manhattan Borough President Gail Brewer. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims. I'm Jonathan Bell. For Inwood Artworks On Air. <laughs>